All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Are we doing good? Has God been meeting us so far so good? Yeah? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Glad for that. Uh, so glad uh, to be w- with all of you here, everybody who made it here. And I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online, uh, watching live with us right now in this moment. Thanks for taking your time to do that. Uh, it's easy when we make our way here, but when you're there, there's a lot of other things you could be doing. So thanks for doing that. Uh, and I'm just so glad we're, wherever we are, in here, out there, uh, it's just awesome to be a part of a church uh, who wants to get together and worship God who made us and celebrate Jesus who saves us, all right? So let's get to it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you, you brought them with you. If, you. if you did bring them, go ahead and grab those and let's get to it right now. We'll go to Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five. Uh, and as you're doing that out there and in here, we are in week number four uh, of a series where we're just going through this letter, incredible letter of Paul to this church in Rome, uh, the letter of Romans. And uh, so here, here's where we're gonna go today. I'm gonna talk about where we're going and then I'll kind of get us caught up to where we've been. Uh, Uh, In chapter five here, Paul, who's writing this letter to a church, he is really excited about some stuff, okay? Uh, He is is really fired up. He is upbeat. He is, he's pumped. And and I'm saying this because in in this chapter, what we're gonna see is we're gonna come across three times where he says the word rejoice, all right? So so he is fired up about some things and this is how I want us to like go into it today, okay? Are, Are you fired up? All right, I'll get you there, hopefully. All right, I'll get you there. I'll get you fired up because uh, Paul is gonna tell us there are some things, there are some things that we should actually be really, really glad about. So, so that's where we're going today. Really good stuff, good news that we're gonna be looking at today. Uh, and so where we've been is actually the last four chapters. We've been in the last four chapters. And so if you're new here or just getting caught up with us, I really wanna encourage you to find the, the last couple messages that we've had, get caught up with us because uh, we kinda need to know where we've been in order to really fully understand where we're going. And, and so here's where we've been over the last couple weeks is that Paul just got done explaining what it looks like to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. And he talked about the difference between Christianity and all other religion, all right? That Jesus is the unique and only solution uh, to the universal problem of humanity. That's what he's been spending his time on. And so here's where we're going at this point. From this point on, he's assuming some things. He's actually assuming that you are a follower of Christ or at minimum, at minimum, that you understand the difference. You understand what he's talking about when he says Christian or he says believer, where he says, you know, those of you who are following God, okay? So that we understand that. So that's where we're we're at. That's where, and, and this is where we're going. He's excited about some things. So hopefully you made your way there. Chapter five, let's start reading verse one. He says, all right, so therefore... Uh, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, so if you do have your Bibles out there, we really encourage you to to circle, underline, and if you're somebody who does that, I would really encourage you to circle, underline the word therefore. All right, that's a huge place. So so here's the thing about this word therefore. Uh, As you read the book of Romans, you're actually gonna come across this word in in a couple places, actually several places. And there are four places this word therefore is is pretty important. And here's what I'm gonna say. If you could get these four therefores, then you'll understand the entire letter 
of Romans, all 16 chapters uh, of the letter of Romans. So I wanna, and you won't miss the message. I wanna get us to, to the four therefores. This is one of them. Here's the other one. Here's one of them. It's in Romans 3.20, where, and we already covered this, when he says, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. So this is important because he's saying religion isn't gonna save you. You gotta have something better than religious activity, following religion. There, there's gotta be something better than that. Uh, there needs to be something better because it just points to the need that you have. Uh, the next one that we have is in Romans 8. And in Romans 8, 1, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so this is a huge one for Christians because he's saying, hey, if you are a Christian, then your viewpoint is this, is that, is that we don't live under anymore. We don't live any, under any guilt, any shame, any self-condemnation or any rejection, okay? This is huge for us to understand. In fact, we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. It's gonna be a really, really big, big message. Don't miss that one. And here's the next one, which is Romans 12. And it says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So with this, therefore, uh, he's saying that, that what... What you get from God, what you get from God with salvation and justice being done and, and redemption and all that stuff that you should in fact give yourself completely to him. Like no holding back. Like give your, offer yourself completely over to God. So to live sacrificially for God is to understand what he's done for you uh, and to, that, we, that we, this is the only response that we have with what he's done for us in Jesus, okay? And then the fourth one, which is where we're at today, Romans 5.1. And in Romans 5.1, this, with this therefore, what Paul is doing is he's basically summarizing the last four chapters with this one. Uh, and so he's saying, all right, now with, with everything that I've said so far, uh, with everything I said about how you have sin, you have a sin problem, and that you don't have a way to actually get to God. You can't make it to God on your own, but, but that God has a solution for you. He has a solution with Jesus and his death being the substitution uh, for your death. Your penalty of sin is death, but Jesus took that on for you and it's given to you as a free gift that it's given to you that you can't do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. Uh, you can't work for, hard for it either, okay? And it's, you only get it through one thing, uh, which is faith which is faith, which is having confidence in what Jesus did for you. That's what Chad talked about last week. And so Paul is in here saying, therefore, since you have that, man, I got some things to talk about with you. I'm, some things that we should be glad about and they're great. And so Paul actually already gave us three of these things that we read in verse one and two. So if you got your Bibles there, I want you to find these three words and we're gonna talk about them. There's peace, access, and hope. So if you see those, underline or circle them. Uh, and so we're gonna look at each one of these uh, again. So in verse one, here's what he says. The first one he says, he says, hey, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. So if you're taking notes, hopefully you are, the first thing that we give, the first thing that we rejoice in that we're, we're grateful about is that we actually have peace with God, that I have peace with God. Now, it's, it's really important as you're writing this one down that you say with God because he's not saying the peace of God and it's a really uh, big difference between the peace of God and peace with God because peace of God, that's not what he's saying. It's not like this uh, like serenity thing uh, or this subjective feeling or anything like that. And, and this is important. It's important because I do think that people believe that Christianity just boils down to being just another thing where you get this peaceful, easy feeling. 
right? And he's like, and so then the feeling is, well, well, hey, if you go to church, you get that, great, great, man. I just find that I get peaceful feelings when I do yoga or when I meditate or when I pet puppies. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where people go with this, but that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, no, 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 we're not talking about these peaceful, easy feelings. This is peace with God. It's totally different because what is really important isn't that you have these feelings of peace. You, guys, listen, you could get feelings of peace all over the place. They're just in little bits. And you can get them apart from all. You gotta get them in other places. But, but if you actually, here's the real question, but it's actually if you have true peace with a holy God who made you. That's totally different. That's totally different. Having peace with God means this, that the war going on inside you is over. That's peace with God. It's that there's no more internal struggle with God and wondering, is he mad at me? Is he angry at me? Does he love me? Does he even like me? That war is over. It means that we are no longer struggling against God, but that we have harmony with our creator who made us. Harmony is a really cool word. Harmony actually means uh, a pleasing combination of sounds. I don't know if you notice this. I think you have. We have really good singers here at River Ridge, don't we? Like really great, like incredible singers. We're blessed to have them. And uh, so I wanna say this, like Randy, Randy has a great voice. Great voice. I wanna make sure I say that before it sounds like I'm trashing him. Great voice, really good, all right? But when uh, Maggie and Laura come in to harmonize with him, it makes his voice sound better like way better, right? Like almost where I feel like I could probably be Randy, right? Like that's not true, that's not true. Uh, but it makes me feel like that I'm like, because the sound that comes out with them together, see, this is what we have with Jesus, everybody. That when Jesus comes to us, that he brings us to God and, and it brings us in a harmonious way that we have this harmony with God. See, without Jesus, it's like me uh, singing out loud with no music. You don't wanna hear that, trust me. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't wanna hear that, but, but with Jesus, he brings me to God in this harmonious way. It's written, and here's what it is. This is what harmony with God is. This is amazing thing. It's resting in the fact that there is nothing I can do that makes God love me more, okay? And there's nothing that I've done that makes him love me less. This is what peace with God does for those of us who are in Christ. We have peace with God. That's the first thing, great thing that Paul wants to know he's excited about. Here's the second one, and it's in verse uh, one. It says this, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which now we stand. So here's the second thing, if you're writing down, that we have, is that we have access to God. That I have access to God. So, uh, as you're writing that one down, I wanna take you back in time before this letter. I wanna take you back to when Jesus uh, was dying on the cross. And we're not gonna look at the scripture, but write this down, write Luke 23 down if you wanna read into this a little bit more. I think it would really be worth your time to read this morning or today or this week. But it's in Luke 23 when he's dying on the cross, something happens in the moment that he dies that, we want, that I wanna look at, okay? So what was going on when he was dying on the cross? It was noon and it, it went completely dark everywhere, like pitch black dark everywhere. Uh, and then it says that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, if you don't know the significance of that, you're gonna read right past it and not really understand what happened right there. So I wanna get us there really quick, okay? Because before Jesus died, this is important. Access to God was different than what it is today. We don't really understand what was going on. Access to God was very limited in Jesus's day before he died. So only the high priest once a year could go into the temple and it was behind the temple room in this Holy of Holies where he would be in the presence of God. And it was only once a year in the day of atonement 
atonement. Uh, and so it was in this back room. And this back room was separated by this curtain, all right? Now, this curtain, just so you understand it, uh, was in 72 pieces, and each piece was 60 feet by 30 feet, all right? So 60 feet by 30 feet, and it was the thickness. So that's like the, a house plan. Like, that's big, like a plane of a, a house. And it was the thickness of a size of a hand, all right? And it was in 72 pieces, and it said it can only be manipulated by hundreds of priests, all right? So this high priest would go in there once a year, and he would offer up one sacrifice for all sins once a year. And so th this was the access of God then. It was limited. It was very limited, and, and he could only be approaching atonement uh, once a year. And so when Jesus died on the cross, let's go back to Jesus dying on the cross. It says the curtain was torn. Not only that, it was actually torn from top to bottom, and then it says that the earth shook in that moment. It's amazing. I hope you read it. Uh, and the earth shook. And what was happening in that moment was that heaven and earth were actually being joined together. But listen to me, everybody, no longer in the temple was it being joined. Heaven and earth was being joined in the place of justice and forgiveness and mercy. And it was right at the cross where Jesus was. And what it means is that barrier is forever down. It was forever changed. And with Jesus coming here and dying for you, listen, you not only get salvation, but now you have this forever constant and instant access to, to God who made you and loves you. It's an amazing thing. You don't need a priest anymore. You don't need a blood sacrifice anymore. You could talk to God directly. You could do it sitting down right here, standing up in your car, in the shower, wherever you want. And you could be in his presence whenever you wanna be. That's amazing. That's amazing, guys. And the book of, uh, uh, that I've been reading is called Romans for You by Tim Keller. Highly recommend it. He says it this way. He says, listen to this. He says, whenever we go into the world or wherever we go in the world, we are always in the heavenly throne room. We're always there. This goes beyond peace with God. This is friendship with God. And, and right here, gang, this is why I wish I had more time than I have uh, to, to talk about this, but I don't have much time because I think there are a lot of Christians who have a hard time believing that, that we have a friendship with God. I think there are a lot of Christians that still struggle with that, that you don't believe that God is a friend who, who you have access to and who wants to hear you and listen to you, but, but you think, man, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough. I'm not sure if I, if I have it to access God like that and pray and ask God to help me uh, with this or that and, and you know, give me strength and wisdom. Like, I don't deserve his help. I don't deserve his ear. And listen, there is nobody that knows that more than Satan. And he uses that in your life and he brings messages to you, messages like when you come to him, him saying, oh, you, th you think you can access God? Hey, you remember what you did last night? You remember that? You remember what you said to them? Like, you really think, you think the, the door is open for you? Man, no, that door's shut for you, man. It might be other people, but not you. He uses that. And, but Paul comes in and he says, hey, listen, don't you believe that? Don't you believe that? You have access through Jesus. See, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. He's the key who gets you this access to God. I remember uh, when I was a teenager, I think I don't remember how old I was, but we went to Disney, okay? We went to Disney. And uh, we, were, we were there. And how Disney, uh, like, uh, Gets us to believe that that's a great week. I don't know how they do it, but they're amazing at advertising. Because all you do is wait in line for rides, right? Like, it's all you do, and you're miserable. It's 90 degrees out. But we were in line for this ride, and I, I think the wait was like two hours. And isn't it great they give you a little sign? They're like, hey, two hours. It's like, great, thanks. Anyways, we're in line. I, I don't have time to talk about that. But anyways, we're sitting in line, and somebody comes walking by that we actually knew that we grew up with. It was an amazing thing in the middle of the Disney park with all these people. And they were from our town. 
And she was actually working on that ride, okay? And so it was great. She goes, hey, come with me. So she, we got out of line. She took us all the way behind this door. And it was like this door that opened and gave us this secret access to the ride. And here came these, the cars and we got into the car and then it came up to where the front of the ride. So if you've ever gone to the front of the ride and you see people already in there, that's what's going on. That was me. And so I was like, Meh. and I, it was great. It was great. And, and here's the thing, gang. Here's the thing. This is what I want to say. It wasn't who I was. It was who I knew. It's the same thing with Jesus. It's the same thing with Jesus. The G, with Jesus, man, he comes in and we have this access to God. It's, we can draw near. We can have confidence that God hears us, not because of you, but because of Jesus. And he listens and he connects with us. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome to hear? Paul's excited to tell you about that. It's an awesome thing that we have. Uh, and let's go to the third thing in verse two. He says, okay, so now we have, we have peace. We have incredible access to God. It's amazing. And he goes, and, and we boast in the hope of the glory of with God. So now here's the third thing that it is, is that I have an actual greater hope. That I have a greater hope. One thing that we talk about a lot here is hope. We talk about because it it's it's incredibly crucial to understand what Christian hope is. The Greek word used here is actually a better word, I think. Uh, the word actually means conviction. All right, it means conviction. And I think that's better because again, we say this, we use hope too loosely in the world to really understand the difference with what Christian hope is because uh, our hope is better than wishful thinking, everybody. It's way better than that. It's actually a confidence. We have a conviction that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, that no matter what it looks like, how it looks, that we know, we know the ultimate outcome when it comes to the destination and the end game of our lives. Like that's the hope that we have. We share, it says we share in the future glory of God. That's what we get to do right now in this present time that we get to share in. Uh, later in chapter eight, Paul says it another way. In chapter eight, he says it this way. In Romans eight thirty, he says, okay, so those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. We've been talking about since we've been justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so follow me here, follow me. What we've already covered in Romans 5, 1 is that we've been justified, all right? Uh, so justification, which means just as if I didn't sin and, and I'm good with God, we have that the moment of salvation and we have justification at the moment of salvation. And then at Romans eight thirty, what this is also saying is that glorification comes with justification. Now, you gotta understand this. So everybody who God justifies is promised in that moment to be glorified. That, that, that heaven and future glory is a promise fulfilled at the moment of salvation, at the moment you say yes to Jesus. And here's the thing, we're gonna get into this because I think God felt the rebuttal there from people. He felt the argument of, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Like, I know I get the salvation part of sinner, and, you know, but like heaven, I already get it. Like automatically, what about sinning? Hey, what about backsliding? Back, come on, man, what about backsliding? Like, what about all this stuff, man? What about messing up over and over and over again? It's almost God is anticipating these questions. And so let's drop down uh, in verse six here. We're gonna see it in Romans 5, 6. We're gonna read a big chunk of this because I think he's getting to the pushback here about, wait a minute, like, is this true? Is this true that we, that we get to share in the future hope already, like right now? And so he's reminding us of something with the hope and confidence and conviction that we have. So let's go to verse six. We're gonna read this for a little bit. Take a sip of coffee. Here we go. For while we were still weak, don't forget that, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Don't forget that's you. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But, but God shows his love for us. And this is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he keeps going. Since therefore, there's another therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more, other translations say, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And he keeps going one more time. More than that, we also, listen, rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All right, that's a lot. I know that was like a fire hose coming at you, but here's what he's saying. So Paul is saying, hey, don't forget the playing field here. It's uneven. It's uneven. Always was, still is, always will be. Like you're not gonna get this evened out by what you do. You're not gonna get it evened out at all. You can't get up to snuff. He died for you while you were an enemy. All right, he died for you while you're an enemy. So trust in the fact that this future glory is a promise for you to take and grab and hold on to with confidence. Okay, that's what he's saying, if you've been reconciled. So, so he wants you to be real clear about this, Christian. Really, really clear about this. The historical fact is this, is that while you were a sinner, a enemy, a rejecter, Christ died for you. He died for the ungodly. Uh, he gave up everything, not for you just to be saved, but you to also be in glory with him in that one moment. And that one time where you came into a saving faith with him, while you were, he still did. While you rebelled, he was reconciling. Like that, that's what was going on, done deal. And here's the thing that he wants to catch, you to catch. You don't deserve any of it at all. And so don't start thinking that you do stuff to level up on this future glory thing. You don't, it's still uneven. You gotta believe it and just take it with you, okay? Now, it's an amazing thing. So, so I wanna see where we're at with this. This is an amazing thing with these three things. What we just covered with peace with God, that we have access to God, and then we get to share in hope with him. Uh, we cover th all three tenses of our lives in those two verses. It's an amazing thing. So, so listen to this, that in Christ, we have peace with God, so we're freed from our past, that we have peace with God. In Christ, we now have access to God in our present, that we can enjoy God's presence in our present, and then in Christ, we will one day experience the joy of being in heaven. In the future, we will be glorified with him. It's gonna be, all three tenses of our lives are covered in this great thing, and Paul's excited about it. He's like, we, we need to rejoice in this, an amazing thing. Now, we got one more thing, and we're gonna go back to verse three to find it. It's the fourth outcome of, of what salvation brings, and it's in this, it's in verse five, wait, verse three? Yeah, verse three, it says this. It says, not only that, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Anyone think that's a little off? Anybody have anything think that's a little off? Like, that doesn't match up with the other ones, right? That's, that's an odd one. Think about it. So here, here's what he's saying. We rejoice in God's ultimate glory in heaven. Check. Like, yeah, all right, man, I'll sign up for that one. And we rejoice that we've been saved from death. Yes, sign me up, sign me up. And rejoice in your sufferings. I don't feel the other two. Am I the only one? Like that, that one just seems a little odd to me. So now follow me here. Maybe, maybe God's saying something here. Here's what God's taking us. I think here's what he said. What if, what if God could do something as well with our suffering? What if he can? Let me, let me say it this way. What if 
the fact that suffering is going to happen regardless of, of whether you believe in God or not, that it's going to happen. It's a reality that happens. But what if when the unexpected difficult things happen, what if God can actually do something with them instead of them just going to waste in this life? And the answer is he can, he will, and he does. And here's the fourth thing that we get to think about. It's this, is that I actually have a new view of suffering because of, of me being in Christ. That I have a new view of suffering. It completely changes form in my life with Jesus. Listen to me, gang, that our suffering can have a purpose, that it can have an eternal answer in Christ. Won't happen apart from Christ. I'll tell you that right now. Won't happen apart from Christ. But in him, we can find that they don't just happen and they don't just go to waste. So here's the thing with suffering, and I wanna make sure uh, I explain. What's, here's, here's what I think suffering is. Suffering is any stresses, any problems, any anything, losses, hardships, pressure. So it's anything that causes distress in your life. And so this is a really big category that we're covering with suffering. But here's what I wanna tell you, man. I want you to hear this. God can and does cover all of it, all of it, with his ability to give them new meaning. That's what we're talking about. And here's the thing about this. You, you're gonna have circumstances like this in your life. Again, regardless of what you do with them, they will happen. And so here's the thing. You're either gonna get bitter or you're gonna get better uh, with suffering. And, and we get better, we get better sometimes when, we, when we're able to look back and understand what God has already done. So, so that's what we wanna say. We look back and see uh, what we went through and how God was working. So this is what faith says. So faith tells us, here's what faith tells us that we could believe in advance what will only make sense looking back. Does that make sense? We, that we, we actually will uh, believe in advance what only will make sense when we look in reverse. And, and so Paul's gonna tell us, he's gonna tell us uh, like what happens with suffering in believers in Christ. He's gonna talk about how we grow with suffering. So we're gonna read this. This is gonna be in verse three. We're just gonna read it. He says, hey, okay, so not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Okay, so, so he says that we can rejoice in our distresses. We can, it's an, there's an ability to rejoice in the difficulties because of something we know. So if you have your Bibles there and you wanna underline or circle, I would absolutely circle underline no or knowing. It's either no or knowing. I would circle that because uh, it's important that we see that. Because listen, we can rejoice in suffering, Christian, because we actually know something. We actually know something that others don't know. We have an understanding uh, that other people don't have. We, we have a viewpoint that the world has. It's fundamentally different than the viewpoint of the world. See, this is what we know. So what do we know? He tells us, he goes, the first thing that we know is that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance, uh, the Greek word for that means to abide under to abide under. So, so as a Christian, uh, here's the thing. We abide under something. We actually abide under someone. We abide under Jesus, that we live for Jesus. And so abiding under Jesus, it actually gives us the ability uh, to, to stay present and have patience in, in the sufferings in our life, to hang in there and be consistent uh, with what we believe. So, so what he's saying is that you actually become more stable because you abide in Christ and not the circumstances of your life. So Perseverance, perseverance isn't, um, it isn't just resting in Christ when things are great, okay? It's having that same rest when it hits the fan. That's what it is. It's having that same exact rest as if everything was great when it hits the fan. So, so again, we know this. This is what I'm saying. You know this. This is something that we know. And the second thing is that we know is that perseverance then produces character, character, so character, what it means, it refers to uh, something that is tested and proven reliable. 
Uh, it actually uh, kind of moves more than that. It actually talks to something more about be, being refined, almost like metals being refined, like where you burn up metals, get all this stuff to burn up, and then you just have purity in there. So Paul is saying one of the reasons, again, one of the reasons we can rejoice in our sufferings because we know, we know that if we persevere, that we'll come out more refined, that we'll come out more refined. Again, these things are gonna happen regardless of whether you believe this or not, but th- this can happen. One thing we need to understand about God God is always shaping, he's always molding, he's always speaking into this, he's always uh, teaching for one thing, one thing, one thing, not our comfort. He's not molding us, or te- not, and it's not for, for us to be pain-free either, but he's always teaching, shaping, molding us to be into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And gang, listen, I, I know the idea of pain-free and, and no suffering sounds great. I know that sounds great, but listen to me, we can't take that into heaven with us. The only thing we can take is a character that's developed down here. Our character is more important. And so we rejoice in that because it produces character. And then uh, it also produces hope. Because it all goes back to hope. It comes back there, which was, we already talked about, that listen, ultimately, this is crazy, ultimately suffering can build up, not take away from hope. That's crazy. The world is like, what? Like, but that's what he's saying. Because we know Christians, we know that we live here just for a little while. This isn't our ultimate destination and it's a proving ground for our faith. It's a proving ground for our confidence in Christ. And we need to remember that what waits for us, that what Jesus has prepared for you, he said this, he's prepared this for you. It's a place that is perfect and right and amazing. And it is pain-free. It is circumstance-free. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing thing. And sometimes we need to remember it's not about what we get down here, but it's about what's waiting for us in heaven with what Jesus has prepared for us. And so we can rejoice in suffering. He's saying you can get there. Not because we like pain, not because, you know, we, we, we deny his tragedy or anything like that, but because we know God is using life's difficulties, that it doesn't go to waste. It doesn't go to waste with God if we allow him to do it. Now, here's the deal, here's the deal. It can do this. It doesn't mean it automatically happens, all right? It doesn't mean that it automatically happens with suffering. First of all, this process is, it can only happen to Christians, Okay, I wanna tell you, all this stuff we talked about can only happen to Christians. And and here's why I'm gonna tell you this with confidence. It's actually in verse five, or no, verse, uh, yeah, five. And it says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is huge to understand right here, okay? So this process, listen to me, everybody, of having peace with God, of having access to to God, of having hope in life and having a new view uh, of suffering can only work in Christians because of the role of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is only in Christians. He's only in Christians. So you can't, and here's the thing, you can't, you can't have the Holy Spirit in you if you're religious or you think Jesus is a good dude or you come to church. That's not how the Holy Spirit comes in you. The Holy Spirit comes into fellowship with you only when you have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you can have the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you, so that's the first thing. And, and here's the other thing. Now, you also can be a Christian and you can have the Holy Spirit but still not see the results of perseverance, uh, character, and, and hope and suffering. We know this. We know this, right, gang? How many Christians have you run into have been through hardship but it doesn't produce any character or, or perseverance or hope? In fact, it does the opposite. Have you, have you seen this? Confidence goes, they don't get better, they get bitter, they get angry at God and like, things just kind of fleet and fall away and, and they get eaten up by it. Gang, listen, it's not automatic. It's not automatic because here's the second big thing. 
Second big thing, the separator of whether that problem uh, or distress or, or whatever happens in my life is beneficial and produces perseverance, character, and hope, or if it's wasted and I become bitter, is, is, it's down to one decision that, that we already make. It's down to a decision that I already made before this distress came in my life, and it's this. It's the decision of God, I'm yours. I trust you. I believe in your promises and I believe they'll come through uh, and I can see the bigger picture. It's, already, it's in a decision that we already made. So this only works, this process only works for Christians who are cooperating with the promises of God, not just knowing what they are, but cooperating with the promises for God. So for us, listen to me, this is it. We look at these circumstances like, that, like this. It's not God doing something to me but God can do something in me as a result. God can do something in me. He can and he will use these things that are out of our control. There's a lot. But, but right now, this therefore, it's a hinge point for us. All right, it's a hinge point for us. Paul's letter right here with this therefore he wrote, it's a stop and think moment for us right now in this place and, and as we are listening to this, it's to pause and consider where we are with this. Where we are with this because now that we believe we have a confidence in the saving work of Jesus Christ. If that's not enough, God does more. That you have more peace, you have more access, you have more direction, grace, and purpose. In fact, it's poured out into you through the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in you. And so I thought it would be fitting today as we take these things into consideration to take communion today. So on your way in, hopefully you grab the elements uh, and if not, just raise your hand. We're gonna have some folks uh, walk in uh, with us. So raise your hand if you need the elements and uh, we'll get that to you. And if you're watching from home, I wanna invite you to do that as well. You have a few minutes, so go and grab um, uh, some, some crackers and wine or, or bread or, or, or uh, juice, whatever you got there and, and come back to us and you can take communion uh, with us. And, and so, so here's what I'm gonna talk about just for a few minutes. Communion, uh, it's one of those uh, outward expressions that we have uh, that we take part in together as believers in Christ, okay? celebrates what God has already done in our lives through uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, all right? And it's also a time for us to reflect and think about some things and confess some things to God, allow him to restore us back to the joy of the salvation that he brings to us. So it's a moment that we have to approach God, that we have access to God. This is the access we have. And we can come to him and be in his presence and allow his grace and forgiveness to come in. So while we're in this moment, how much time we have? I wanna... I wanna we have plenty of time. I, I want you, I just wanna challenge you as you think about what Jesus did for you. I wanna challenge you to ask some questions and here's what I wanna challenge you to ask. Just, where am I at with this? God, where am I at? Like, how is peace with you going right now in my life, God? Like, am I, am I resting in that? <laughs> Do I believe that? Uh, am I taking advantage of the access I have to you right now, God? Am I taking advantage of that? Or is it taking advantage of me? I'm not seeing that. Is your hope carrying me through the circumstances that I face or, or am I allowing those circumstances to take me away? So maybe this is a time for you to celebrate in some of those things. Say, man, no, I, this peace access is amazing. I'm gonna celebrate it. Maybe for some of us, it's a time to confess and say, I'm not doing real well with the peace with you. And, and I want that to be restored right now, God. Or I'm not doing really well uh, 
with, with these circumstances in my life that I want to allow the hope to come through and that, to understand like this is not my destination. Whatever that is, just give it to God. You have access to him. He's listening, he'll hear you. And, and so we're gonna do that. So here's what we're gonna do. We don't tell you when to take the elements uh, just to allow the Holy Spirit to work uh, through you. And, and as we go through the next several minutes here and you don't have to be a member of River Ridge Church to take communion with us. We do ask that you, uh, that, that you are a Christian, that, that you uh, are a follower of Christ. And here's the thing, some of you have not made that decision yet to follow Christ, to surrender your life over to the saving uh, work that he's done for you. And I wanna invite you to do that. God invites you, it's a free gift that he invites you to do that with. And I, I really want you to consider where you are with that. And if you, we would love to talk to you about that. Just schedule a time for me, Chad, Blair, whoever. We would love to talk to you uh, and chat about that. So the bread that we're gonna take, it's a symbol of, of Jesus's body being broken for you. And the joy, juice that we drink is a symbol of Jesus' blood spilled for you. And so when you take this, it reminds us of Jesus and what he did for us as sacrifice. And it leads us, it leads us to being thankful for the forgiveness, forgiveness that we had, that we can enjoy coming in as we confess to him and the eternity that we have with a future hope that in heaven. Let me pray. God, thank you that you have this message to us. That, that we have this incredible access, that we have peace with you, that, that we have hope uh, that looks beyond our circumstances. And then we have this amazing opportunity to take part in communion, to believe and, and remember Jesus and what he did for us, that we could come in uh, to, to your presence right now. I pray for your presence to be strong and known right now as we come to you. We love you and we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen.